Hello and welcome to Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets Podcast. This is episode 114. In today's episode, what you need to look for in choosing the right essential fatty acid for your dog or cat, heart disease and dog food update, heart remedies, plus what's new for cognitive dysfunction in pets. Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets is on all your favorite podcast apps, including Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher, and I'd love it if you'd subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. Questions or suggestions, feel free to post a comment about this podcast episode on the blog at www.theinternetpetvet.com. I encourage you to sign up for my new free webinar, What You Need to Know About Essential Fatty Acids for Dogs and Cats. The sign up is here, www.theomega3supplement.com forward slash webinar. Omega-3 fatty acids are one of the most important supplements in veterinary medicine. Some of the documented benefits, inflammatory skin disease, osteoarthritis, heart disease, kidney failure, cognitive dysfunction, chronic inflammation, some of the anxiety disorders such as separation anxiety, FLUTD in cats, autoimmune diseases such as lupus, AIHA, cancer prevention and treatment, feline asthma, fatty liver disease known as hepatic lipidosis, and recurring ear infections. The big thing here is that it's really important in you choosing the right essential fatty acid for your dog or cat. There really is a large difference in quality. So what are the essential fatty acids? Well, dogs and cats, they require both omega-6 and omega-3 fatty acids in their diet because they can't produce these essential fatty acids on their own. These are the essential fatty acids for dogs and cats. Linoleic acid, it's an omega-6 fatty acid. Arachidonic acid, it's an omega-6 fatty acid. Then the omega-3s, alpha-linoleic acid, EPA, icosopentatoic acid, and DHA, docosohexanoic acid. Both EPA and DHA, these are the most important ones. These are the specific anti-inflammatory omega-3 fatty acids that seem to have the most proven benefit for our dogs and cats. The quality of the supplement, it's really important. And if you're supplementing a diet with fatty acids, you need to be choosing one that really is of good quality. For instance, when you're choosing a fish oil supplement, the potential exists for nutrient excess, mainly an excess of vitamins A and D, along with toxin exposure, specifically mercury poisoning with fish oil supplements. The health benefits of the fish oil are believed to derive principally from the two omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA. Flaxseed oil, it contains a third plant-based omega-3 fatty acid called ALA or alpha-linoleic acid. The main problem with ALA and flax is that to have good effects, it must be converted by a limited number of specific enzymes into EPA and DHA. As a result, it's thought that only a small fraction of the omega-3s in flax are then converted, about somewhere between 10 to 20%. Fish oil, it's rich in some of these omega-3 fatty acids. It can protect against certain types of cancer, but unfortunately, many types of fish are also contaminated with waterborne toxins. A new study by San Diego State University found that toxin-contaminated fish oil loses much of its cancer-preventive properties. And that really makes sense. I mean, yes, it's got the benefits of the omega-3, but if it's contaminated with toxins, clearly it's not going to have those benefits. In 2004, the US FDA issued a recommendation that young children and women who are pregnant or could become pregnant should avoid eating large amounts of fish and shellfish. Nearly all fish and shellfish contain mercury, which is especially hazardous for developing children. In recent years, the agency has also expanded the warning to note that fish also frequently contains dangerous chemicals called PCBs. PCBs, they belong to a class of chemicals known 
known as POPs or persistent organic pollutants. They break down extremely slowly in the environment. Large fish are now mostly the source of POP contamination for people, says the lead author, San Diego State University nutrition professor, Dr. Mi Young Hong. Toxin-free krill oil, it can be a better option. Krill, there are these small crustaceans, they're very rich in EPA, DHA, and they have a very short lifespan and they're very low on the food chain, meaning they have little to no measurable environmental toxins. Krill, they provide a similar EFA profile as fish oil, but without the toxic risk. Now the update on DCM or dilated cardiomyopathy. Well, first of all, we have to recap when this first started. The FDA announced an investigation into a potential link between certain diets and canine dilated cardiomyopathy, and that first was reported in 2018. What they found is that dogs were eating certain foods, many labeled as grain-free, and those that contained a high proportion of peas, lentils, legumes, and or potatoes. What about the update? Well, in late 2020, the FDA they issued an update on grain-free pet food and canine dilated cardiomyopathy, or DCM. Uh, so what they reported on is that the FDA said that results show that DCM, it's a multifactorial issue with potential variables including but not limited to breed, age, weight, gastrointestinal disease, atopy, infection, and more. Uh, the FDA also noted that diet changes were not necessarily responsible for dogs that experienced partial or full recovery since nearly all dogs were also treated with supplemental taurine along with ph pharmaceutical drugs and or other supplements. So like, so what's going on? You know, is it been what we first talked about or grain-free diets causing low levels of taurine? And that seems to be what the most important link is and that's what most people are looking at. Taurine is an amino acid that most dogs should be able to make from their diet, but it may be that these foods have some link with modifying taurine production. And taurine is critical for normal heart function. But there are other possibilities, you know, dietary chemicals, our dog's ability to process nutrients, i.e. problems with digesting legumes, reacting to some of the legume ingredients such as pea flour. Some dogs may not have the same ability to synthesize and then metabolize taurine. There may be a genetic predisposition how the ingredients are processed. Dr. Jean Dawes of Hemopat, she wonders about a link between glyphosate, that's the chemical roundup, and its amount found in pet food. When they looked at it, they looked at measuring the amount of Roundup in our animals. So they're saying cats are averaging eight parts per billion, 16 times more than was found in the average amount of human urine. Dogs are averaging 16 parts per billion, and that is 32 times the amount found in the human average. Dogs that eat raw food, they have virtually no detectable glyphosate. Dogs that eat grain-free kibble, they have the highest levels. It's believed that the movement to grain-free diets using these ingredients such as oats, pea protein, chickpeas, and lentils may be the cause. The researchers, they've tested crops like oats and legumes and they deliver the highest glyphosate levels to human consumers. We still do need to put it all in perspective though, right? I mean, we've got almost 80 million dogs in the United States and there have been reported somewhere between 500 to 1,000 cases of DCM linked to diet. In other words, we're looking at a chance of a dog developing DCM of 0.00067% may be related to a grain-free diet. Is this a real problem as reported by the FDA? I mean, yes, but in my opinion, probably not near as much as most people need to worry. Like, do you need to rush out and change your dog's food? I mean, so if your dog is doing well on a grain-free kibble, I wouldn't necessarily rush out and change my dog's food. I know when we're looking at the research that came out of UC Davis, their biggest focus was on the golden retrievers. You've got a golden retriever, 
retriever, you really want to think twice about your feeding your dog. I would be then supplementing my golden retriever with taurine. They were finding that majority of the dogs responded to supplemental taurine at an average amount, about 500 milligrams per 50 pounds of body weight twice daily. Some of my thoughts then are one, feed less kibble period. And if you're going to be feeding kibble, vary the kibble every three months. I'm doing this with my own dog, Tula. Feed some canned food. Generally, it's primarily an animal protein. Number three, make more of your dog's food at home. Number four, start to feed some raw. You know, the prepackaged frozen raw is probably the simplest. Number five, think that your dog is not an omnivore. He can't just eat vegetables, but a facultative carnivore, meaning he does better if a big chunk of his diet is animal protein. And that's where the taurine is. Like that amino acid that your heart muscle needs for its building block is in that animal protein. Then I also want to talk a little bit about some of the remedies for heart disease. And if you were to have a dog diagnosed, say with DCM or mitral valve disease, and these are some sort of pretty general common sense ones, but ones that you should be aware of. Number one, Hawthorne or Hawthorne tincture. It's been shown to increase the ability of the heart to contract as well as causing the outside blood vessels to dilate, making heart contraction easier. We're looking at Hawthorne tincture doses of a half a mil per 20 pounds of body weight twice daily. And that's very similar to what the conventional heart medications do, i.e. vetmedin or pimobendin. Number two, a natural diuretic. Your veterinarian's probably got your dog on a diuretic, i.e. furosemide. A natural one can include dandelion leaf. In heart disease, fluid will accumulate in the lungs and abdomen. The other benefit of dandelion though, is it's also, it's rich in potassium, which gets lost in the urine with conventional diuretics. Doses of leaf tincture are one half to one mil per 20 pounds of body weight twice daily. Doses of the dried leaves, one teaspoon per 10 pounds of body weight daily. Consider coenzyme Q10 this is an antioxidant supplement that's been it's been effective in people in decreasing damage to the heart muscle. The dose is five milligrams per ten pounds of body weight daily. Taurine supplementation. Taurine will do no harm, may be a whole lot of benefit. It's a very inexpensive amino acid supplement. We're looking at doses of 500 milligrams for 50 pounds of body weight twice daily. And also consider some of those healthy essential fatty acids. The omega-3 fatty acids are effective in strengthening a failing heart. They make it easier for the heart to beat and it may decrease severity of arrhythmias. They can lower blood pressure and decrease the risk of blood clots. Sources include flax oil, fish oil, and krill oil. Krill oil may provide the biggest benefit. Lastly, let's talk about cognitive dysfunction. It's an age-related neurobehavioral syndrome leading to decline in brain function. It can be devastating the pet owner relationship with dogs and cats sometimes even forgetting about their owners. So what are some things to think about? First of all, increase the amount of antioxidants in your dog or your cat's diet. What are antioxidants? These are nutrients which are called free radical scavengers. During just normal enzyme processes that are going on in your dog's or cat's body, they produce these free radicals which can lead to brain cell damage. Increase the amount of antioxidants, you can decrease the amount of free radical damage, potentially helping uh, sort of this aging brain. Some of these include taurine, the amino acid we just talked about, flavonoids, some of these beneficial nutrients that are found in again of fruits and vegetables. Coenzyme Q10 we just talked about for heart disease. Alpha lipoic acid, another key antioxidant supplement. Vitamin E is another important antioxidant supplement. A vitamin E dose, 100 IUs per 10 pounds of body weight daily is fairly standard. There's an antioxidant called astaxanthin. It's found in krill oil. It can be especially effective as it crosses the blood-brain barrier. 
Consider melatonin. Frequently, it's used for little pets that have trouble getting to sleep and pace at night. Melatonin also makes the mitochondria more effective in terms of producing more energy for the cells to really help brain cell function. We're looking at standard doses of two milligrams for a dog up to 20 pounds of body weight daily, four milligrams up to 50 pounds of body weight daily, up to a maximum of six milligrams per dog per day. You wanna give it about one hour before bedtime and on an empty stomach. You can try it for two weeks and assess if it's helping or not. Consider 95% curcumin. New research and people have shown a strong link between chronic inflammation and degenerative brain disorders such as cognitive dysfunction. Researchers are implicating diets high in grains along with repeated vaccines as potential underlying causes. The active ingredient in the spice turmeric is 95% curcumin and it's been shown to be effective in people with Alzheimer's. The animal 95% curcumin dose is 100 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight once or twice daily. Now, this is an important study that came out fairly recently. The efficacy of a therapeutic diet on dogs with signs of CDS, cognitive dysfunction syndrome. And this was a double-blinded placebo-controlled study and they actually looked at using MCT oil, a type of fat that comes or isolated from coconut oil. Dogs that were fed the 6.5% MCT oil diet showed significant improvement over baseline in all six categories of CDS signs, including three categories related to brain cognitive function, disorientation, altered social interaction, along with loss of house training. An easy way for you to do it instead of getting the specific clinical veterinary diet is just supplementing your dog's diet with MCT oil. You want to start with a low dose at a half a teaspoon per 10 pounds of body weight daily, slowly increasing the amount to one teaspoon per 10 pounds of body weight twice daily. Some dogs can get upset stomachs, some dogs can get diarrhea, but of all the things we're going to talk about today, I really think MCT oil could have the biggest benefit on your aging dog or cat's brain. Consider ashwagandha. So this is a specific herb. It's also known as Indian ginseng coming from Asia, but it's got a number of different studies showing clear benefits of ashwagandha uh, in people that have Alzheimer's. It may be effective in enhancing both immediate and general memory in people uh, with Alzheimer's, memory loss, as well as improving basic function, attention, and information processing speed. An ashwagandha dose, we're looking at somewhere around 50 to 100 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight daily. Lastly, consider the omega-3 fatty acids. Specifically, DHA, it's been shown to improve cognitive function in affected dogs. Interestingly, DHA also appears to slow the progression of human dementia and Alzheimer's disease as well. There's one study that was performed in 142 older dogs with a variety of behavioral abnormalities, including disorientation, disrupted sleep patterns, altered interactions with family members, along with loss of house training. And during the 60-day period, dogs fed a DHA-supplemented diet showed significant improvement in every one of these behavioral categories. Thanks you guys for listening to this edition of Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets Podcast. This is podcast 114. Questions or comments, feel free to post a comment on my blog at www.theinternetpetvet.com. Lastly, I encourage you to sign up for my new free webinar. All you need to know about essential fatty acids for dogs and cats. We're also covering an array, all my most important natural remedies. And I'm gonna leave time at the end to answer your most important dog or cat health questions. To sign up for the webinar, go to www.theomega3supplement.com forward slash webinar. There'll also be a link under the podcast description. Once again, thanks for listening. It's Dr. Jones.